Welcome into Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffle. Lucas, doing a solo episode uh, this week. Lucas and I with some scheduling, uh, some scheduling issues. weren't able to get together to do the pod. Hopefully, you were able to listen to uh, to his uh, weekly recap show. And and I'm going to go ahead and preview the upcoming. It's week eight in college football. We are already in mid-October, and we got a really, really fun week, a really, really impactful week, some really big matchups in the Big Ten. We have Penn State, Ohio State. In the Pac-12, we have Utah and USC, Trojans licking their wounds after a loss to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on the road this past week. Um, We've got a big one in the SEC, Tennessee and Alabama, the Crimson Tide still undefeated in conference play. Uh, Tennessee starting to play some good football after their early season loss in the swamp. So lots to get to in this episode. Um, I will ask you to please uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's running for the roses. New podcast every week during the college football season. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube at running for the roses CFB over there producing uh, some videos weekly from the pod. All right, let's get into the Saturday slate here. Um, not a lot to note here during the week. Uh, SMU and Temple, Friday, October 20th on ESPN2 at 7 o'clock Eastern. No other Power 5 matchups uh, during the week. So let's get right to Saturday. And we'll start in the noon window. I'll go through the list of games, and then we'll kind of kind of hop on and, and talk about some of the games more in-depthly. The big one, noon Eastern on Fox. It's where game day is. It's where big noon kickoff is. Penn State at Ohio State, at the Horseshoe, in Columbus, Ohio. That's on Fox. Uh, Other games in the noon slate include Air Force at Navy on CBS, UCF at Oklahoma on ABC, Mississippi State at Arkansas on ESPN. Uh, Moving to the 330 slate, Tennessee at Alabama on CBS, Washington State visits number 9 Oregon on ABC, South Carolina visits number 20 Missouri on the SEC Network. Minnesota at Iowa on NBC. Wisconsin and Illinois on FS1. Northwestern at Nebraska on the Big Ten Network. Pitt at Wake Forest on the ACC Network. And uh, Oklahoma State at West Virginia on ESPN. Moving to the primetime slate, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Ole Miss at Auburn. Texas Tech at BYU on FS1. TCU at Kansas State on ESPN 2, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. A couple good ones in the primetime window. On uh, NBC, we have Michigan at Michigan State at 7.30 Eastern. Duke at Florida State on ABC. And then at 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, we have Utah at Miami, Utah at USC Excuse me, on Fox. Clemson at Miami on the ACC Network. Late night window, a couple games for you. Nevada at San Diego State, 9 o'clock Eastern on FS2. Arizona State at Washington. Huskies coming off uh, the biggest win in the Kalen DeBoer era over Oregon. That's a 10.30 Eastern kickoff on FS1. UCLA visits Stanford. 10.30 Eastern on ESPN. All right, let's start in the noon window. Penn State and Ohio State. With the way the Big Ten is shaping up, it, it truly, the Big Ten will be decided by this kind of round robin that starts this week between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. They each will play each other basically the last five weeks of the season. Penn State visits at Ohio State. They host Michigan. The Buckeyes go at Michigan. They uh, host Penn State. And then Michigan has to, uh, they go at Penn State, and they host Ohio State. Ohio State and Penn State both stand at 6-0, 
both 3-0 in conference and very eerily similar conference starts for them. Ohio State has allowed 100. Ohio State has allowed 27 points. Penn State's allowed 26 points. Ohio State has scored 101 points. Penn State has scored 102 points. Uh, in conference play, uh, Ohio State most recently the win over Maryland. Uh, Penn State their three wins in conference, all three blowouts: uh, 30 to three at Illinois. 31-0 against Iowa, 41-13 against Northwestern. Last week, a 63-0 win against UMass. Um, and when we look at this game, I, th- I think it's it's a game of, of two teams that I think have failed to, to, to really impress. I think Ohio State has a big win at Notre Dame, and certainly that is a big win. And I, and I think the Ohio State offense is, is progressively getting better week to week. I think Kyle McCord's getting comfortable the more he plays. Travion Henderson has been in and out of the lineup most of the season. Not sure what his status will be on Saturday. Uh, Chip Tram, uh, the Arizona State transfer, the former linebacker at, at Arizona State, seems to at, seems to be filling in nicely. But I think this game comes down to the Penn State offense. It comes down to 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 Drew Aller, and and what are we going to get from Drew Aller, who has been one of the more efficient quarterbacks, um, you know, in the in the entire country? Right, he came in with a lot of hype this season as the guy that could potentially take Penn State to the next level. And all he's doing is completing 65% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's only been sacked four times, um, thrown for over 1,200 yards. And and they haven't asked him to do much. Penn State hasn't needed him to do much, right? If you look at the Penn State schedule, it's just blowouts, right? They, they, they blew out West Virginia. They blew out Illinois, Delaware, UMass, Northwestern, and Iowa. Um, and it will be interesting to see when this game is is most likely going to be a close game in the second half. I mean, what happens to Drew Aller? It's his first time, big road game for him, and the first time where this Penn State team will likely be tested in the second half of games. We know they have really good running backs, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, each over 360 yards on the season. Um, Penn State as a team only averaging 4.6 yards per carry. So to me, it's... It's it's what does this Penn State offense look like? Because I think we know that Penn State's going to be good defensively. Kalen King versus Marvin Harrison is going to be an awesome matchup, and I think we know that Penn State's going to have good trench play, right? With Chop Robinson, with Abdul Carter, with you know Olu Fashal, who will likely be the first offensive tackle picked in next next April's draft. Um, there are good matchups all across the board. You know, Marvin Harrison versus Kalen King. Um, JT two Malau versus Olufa Shaw there in the in the in the trenches. So um, if I had to pick right now, the line's about four and a half. Uh, I I would take Penn State plus four and a half. I mean, I think to me this is a field goal game. It's a it's a four or a three point game, and and I also wouldn't put it past Penn State to win this game outright. Um, Penn State we have not seen them tested so far this year, but every game they they just look they look really good. Right, I mean, they don't struggle with teams like UMass. They they struggled a little bit with Northwestern in the first half, but ended up coming away with a 41-13 win, kind of pulled away in that second half. They dominated Illinois on the road in Champaign. They dominated Iowa at home, 31-0. Um, so I right now I think I would I would take Penn State, um, because I'm I'm I just think they're. I just get the feeling this this might be Penn. This is probably going to be Penn State's best chance to to pull this off. 
you have Catron Allen, you have Nick Singleton, you you have Drew Aller. Um, it is his first really big road start. Um, it is a noon game, 11 a.m. local kick, so we'll see what the crowd is like. I'm sure it'll be really good. But certainly right now, the game of the year in, in the Big Ten. But like I said, I mean, this season's going to come down to this round robin that these three Big Ten East teams are playing. Right? I think Michigan and Penn State play the second to last week of the season. Um, obviously, Michigan and Ohio State play the second to play the last week of the season. Uh, let, let me check when Penn State plays Michigan. Uh, the th- third to last week of the season, Saturday, November 11th. Michigan will play Penn State. Ohio State obviously plays Penn State this week, and then they play Michigan to end the season. Because if you look at the Big Ten, I mean, Maryland's 5-2. and two. They lost to Illinois this past week at home. Wisconsin loses to Iowa. The Hawkeyes are 3-1. and one. Their only loss coming to, to Penn State. Everyone else in the uh, everyone else in the Big Ten has at least two losses, right? The Big Ten West is a, is an unmitigated disaster this year. Um, I would expect whoever comes out of the East to be at least a 14-point favorite over whoever comes out of the West. Iowa, 3-1 in conference with a negative six-point differential in the league is pretty remarkable. Um, if you look at the other big games in the noon slate, Mississippi State and Arkansas, these are kind of two of the lower-class teams in the SEC, Arkansas almost pulled off the upset um, over Alabama. I think this is a game about getting to bowl eligibility. We'll see if either of them can do it. Um, we'll move ahead to the the midday window here, the 3.30 Eastern window. Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, Tennessee's playing good football. Uh, beat Texas A&M at home. They're number 17 in the country. They have one loss. That's on the road to Florida, a team that's much improved. And Alabama's a team I still struggle to get a read on. Um, they beat Ole Miss at home. That win keeps looking better and better. Um, they are undefeated thus far in the SEC, but when you watch them play, it, just, it doesn't look nearly as impressive as you're expecting Alabama to look. Um, Jalen Milrow, I think, continues to, to improve as a passer, but Certainly no one's going to confuse him with the likes of Bryce Young or Mac Jones or Tua Tungamailoa or Jalen Hurts. Um, Alabama at times struggles along the offensive line. They're starting a true freshman at left tackle, Caden Proctor. And Tennessee is is just really solid. Uh, they got a really, really good defense. Like this is not kind of this is not the Tennessee of last year with Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. Like this is a team that grinds out games. If you look at these these results, they allowed 13 points to Virginia, 13 points to Austin P, 29 to Florida, 14 to UTSA, 20 to South Carolina, 13 to Texas A&M. Um, so it's a team that's 2-1 and one in the SEC. They've won three games in a row, uh, blowout win over South Carolina at home, and a blowout win, I, I shouldn't say blowout win, a seven-point win against Texas A&M. And, and you wonder if this Tennessee defensive front can cause problems for Alabama. Right, This is a team that we have seen struggle at times to protect Jalen Milrow, struggle at times along the line of scrimmage. And that's going to be, I think, the, the biggest biggest test for Alabama so far will be this really, really good Tennessee defense and, and the, the good Tennessee defensive line. Tennessee um, still, I think, trying to maintain um, some relevancy in the SEC East. You get Bama this week at Kentucky next week. You still have to go at Missouri, then you play Georgia the, the following week. Um, SEC East, you know, Georgia's 4-0, although Georgia just lost, you know, Brock Bowers potentially for the season. Um, not sure what Georgia will look like. They're off this week, and then they play Florida in Jacksonville on October 28th. 
Uh, Gators also off this week. And then you have Missouri sitting there at 6-1, and 2-1 and one in the SEC, a 17-point win at Kentucky this past week for Eli Drinkowitz's team. That team, I think, has looked really good all season. Uh, so Tennessee, you know, three of the, if you look at their four of the next five games, it's at, at Alabama, at Kentucky, home UConn, at Missouri, home Georgia. Uh, really, really tough stretch here upcoming for the Vols. It starts this week for Alabama. And if, if you're Alabama, I mean, right now you're the favorite in the SEC West. Uh, you have the, you have the win over Ole Miss at Bryant Denny. You have the tiebreaker there. You still haven't lost a game in conference. Um, but it doesn't get very easy for Alabama. You know, if, if, if you look at their upcoming schedule, they will get the Tennessee Vols this week. Then they're off next week. Then it's LSU at home. They're at Kentucky, Chattanooga, and then Auburn. Um, you know, LSU looks like a team that can beat you in, in, in Tuscaloosa. That, that team looked pretty good this past week against Auburn. Um, Tennessee looks like a team that can beat you. And right now, Alabama does not look like a team that is, is leaps and bounds above anyone in that SEC West. Um, Ole Miss, I think is a team you still got to kind of consider. We'll talk about them here in a little bit as they go to Auburn. Uh, and LSU, still with one loss in conference, a defense that that might be getting better, although I, I think I would take last week's performance with a bit of a grain of salt. Uh, holding Auburn to 18 points, that's a team. Uh, the Auburn Tigers really struggle offensively. Um, but LSU looks really good. I mean, I think LSU certainly will have the better quarterback. LSU will have the better wide receivers. So certainly a test in Bryant-Denny for Alabama. One of the better games this week is Tennessee at Alabama, 330 Eastern on CBS. Uh, let's talk about Minnesota and Iowa. The Hawkeyes just continue to get it done on special teams, on defense. They beat Wisconsin 15-6 to this past week, much to the chagrin of my co-host. Uh, Iowa is 3-1 and in the Big Ten. Um, they are right now the head and shoulders favorite in the Big Ten West. Um, you still have to play Minnesota. You still have to play Illinois. You still have to play Nebraska. But Right now, they have the inside track at a 9 or 10 win season. And considering that they lost Cade McNamara for the season, considering they are struggling to score points, um, it is a testament. It's a testament to Phil Parker. It's a testament to you know Kirk Ferentz, the special teams group there. They just find ways to get the job done. Um, they're up to number 21 in the country. I'm sorry, 24 in the, in the country. Minnesota um, struggling this season. Uh, the Greek rifle, Ethan Callum McManus, Darius Taylor, the, the, the really good freshman running back for them. Uh, it'll be an interesting one. The over-under is 32.5, one of the lowest over-unders uh, so far of any of any game this season. Northwest, uh, Minnesota 3-3, three and 1-2 three, and two in, the, in the Big Ten. They've been outscored by about 45 points um, in the Big Ten. Obviously, a lot of that is that. 42-point loss at the hands of the Michigan Wolverines. Um, off last week and a uh, game against Iowa this week for Minnesota. Uh, you saw Michigan State. You have Illinois, Purdue, Ohio State, and uh, you end with Wisconsin. So um, if you want to get to a bowl game, if, if, you're, if you're Minnesota, potentially getting Iowa on the road um, will be a big one. Hawkeyes will be without um, Eric Hall, torn ACL, reported by Pete Thamel this week out for the season. So Iowa, the losses continue to to really pile up for Iowa if we look at their remaining schedule. Um, if they can beat Minnesota this week, uh, you're off next week. You get Northwestern at home. You get Rutgers at home. You get Illinois at home. And then you go at Nebraska to end the season. Um, Rutgers is pretty good. 
uh, comeback win for them over Michigan State. Rutgers is five and two, um, but Northwestern is uh, three and three. Illinois is three and four. Nebraska uh, at this point right now is three and three. If Iowa can get, can get by this game, I mean their last five games are very very manageable, and we've talked about how bad the Big Ten West is. You already have played Penn State. You've already played, you know, Purdue. You've already played Wisconsin. Um, so there's a path here for Iowa to win nine or ten games and uh, have a really nice season, despite potentially not getting to that 325 number that will keep Brian Ferentz uh, em- employed. Um, elsewhere around the country, here we'll move to the primetime slate. I mentioned it earlier: Ole Miss and Auburn, seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Um, Ole Miss right now has to feel good about its position in, in the SEC West, right? You already have a win over um, LSU at home. You've already played Alabama. And if you look at the schedule for the Rebels, it starts to, I don't want to say soften up a little bit, but they'll get at Auburn this week. They'll host Vanderbilt next week. They'll host Texas A&M at Georgia, uh, UL Monroe, and Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss is 5-1. and one. You know, you look at Vanderbilt, you look at home A&M, Monroe, Mississippi State. This could be a 9 or 10 win team. Um, Auburn, I've been saying all year, is going to get someone. But they are struggling offensively. This is an offense that struggles to get vertical. They struggle to, to make big plays through the air. They don't, I think, have a firm grasp on who their best quarterback is, whether it's Peyton Thorne or whether it's Robbie Ashford. They played a couple of them against LSU this past week, and neither of them really played very well, as Auburn only scored 18 points on one of the worst defenses in the country, defense that was allowing well over 30 points a game heading into last week. Um, the game is at Jordan-Hare. It's a night game. Um, if Ole Miss wins this one, you got to feel pretty good about about staying in the in the thick of it in the SEC West. And, and you know Auburn, I think, is looking for a little bit of momentum in Hugh Freeze's first year. Uh, the Tigers uh, struggling, struggling in SEC play. When you look at the, uh, when you look at Auburn, already have a um, losses in the SEC to Texas A&M by 17, to Georgia by seven, and by 30 to LSU. The Tigers are 0 three in the SEC. They're three and three overall. They'll get Ole Miss this week. They'll get Mississippi State next week at Vandy, at Arkansas, New Mexico State before hosting Alabama to uh, to end the season there. Um, all right, a couple more intriguing ones here before we wrap up here. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Duke and Florida State. Um, I picked Duke last week without Riley Leonard, and it, it didn't matter for them. They won 24-3 over NC State. Um, that defense looked really good. Florida State, um, I think, continues to kind of methodically move through their schedule. Um, I don't know if they have been super impressive since their win over LSU. When you look at their wins in the ACC, it was a two-point win over Boston College. It was a seven-point win against Clemson. It was a uh, a 22-point win over Virginia Tech. And then last week, just stomping Syracuse 41-3. For Florida State, this is a team that's 6-0. They're one of three undefeated teams in the ACC. One of them is also Duke, who is 5-1, 2-0 in the ACC. Florida State, the uh, remaining six games for them, Duke at Wake Forest next week, at Pitt on November 4th, home Miami on the 11th, then Northern Alabama and at Florida. So four ACC games left for Florida State, and all look very winnable. 
I mean, Duke at home with likely without Riley Leonard um, at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is kind of a shell of the teams of, of the last handful of years. The Demon Deacons have already lost to uh, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech this year. Um, at Pitt as well. Pitt did, be, did, Pitt did just beat Louisville, excuse me. But certainly Pitt not looking the part of the team that won the ACC two years ago. Miami, the wheels look like they're falling off a little bit after a 4-0 start. They've lost their last two. So um, you're Florida State. You win this one. It puts you in pole position. You don't play Louisville. You don't play North Carolina. Um, I think a win here really puts you in a good spot to potentially lock up a spot in the ACC championship. Again, ACC not doing divisions this year. It will be the two um, best records in conference. Right now, it will be Florida State in North Carolina. Uh, the Tar Heels also look really, really good after a win over Miami this past week. Tar Heels, I believe, uh, they are not off. They get Virginia at home. So basically a bye week for Mac Brown squad. Um, and, and listen, for Duke, I think I think the hard thing for Duke is how long can you sustain no Riley Leonard, right? How long can you can you keep kind of piecing this together? I didn't get a lot of eyes on Duke-NC State this past week. Defense looked really good. I think NC State has a lot of offensive issues. Um, I don't think you're going to hold Florida State to three points. Um, Johnny Wilson, who did not play um, against Syracuse, likely back this week. Keon Coleman continues to do Keon Coleman things. Looks like one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, That game is in Tallahassee. It's a night game. I expect Doe Campbell to be rocking. Number 16, Duke at number 4, Florida State. 7.30 Eastern on ABC, uh, Utah and USC. And when we look at this game, USC took a big hit in the polls. They fell all the way out of the top 15. They're number 18 in the country after a 28 point loss to, uh, Notre Dame last week in South Bend. When Lucas and I were talking about Notre Dame or talking about USC, we made sure to note, like there's a dichotomy between the first six and the last six for USC. And the last handful of weeks for the Trojans, we've seen some cracks in the armor, right? It started at the end of September with a 14-point win at Arizona State, a team that is 1-5 and and has lost five straight games. Then they went at Colorado. They had a big lead. They let Colorado get back in the game. They won by seven. Then they had Arizona take them to, I think, three overtimes, two, three overtimes. Um, And then finally... All hell broke loose for USC. Caleb Williams threw three first-half interceptions. I think the Trojans had five turnovers in that game in South Bend. They lose to Notre Dame 48-20. to Keep in mind, Notre Dame, like that schedule for Notre Dame, where they played Ohio State, at Duke, at Louisville, come home to play USC. That's a brutal stretch for them. And they put together 48 points on, on USC and really did a nice job on that USC offense. So now you look at USC. They're one game into their final six, right? They're six and one. Uh, you have Utah this week, then you have at Cal, and your last three games are Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. We know how good Washington and Oregon are. You got to go at Oregon the second to last week of the season, and UCLA. So, listen, there's a chance USC ends up nine and three or eight and four. I mean, there's easily you could easily see three more losses on this schedule, right? It starts this week with Utah. It's a Eight o'clock Eastern game on Fox in the Coliseum. Still at this point, don't know if Cam Rising will play. Um, still don't know at this point what his status is. But it might not matter for Utah, right? It might not matter for Utah, who's got a win over Florida, a win over Baylor, win over UCLA, 
only loss on the road at, at, at Oregon State, and just continues to kind of piece this together, right, with Nate Johnson, with Jaquindon Jackson. Um, it's not pretty. They beat Cal 34-24, actually the most points they scored all season against Cal, even more than they had on Weber State. But this is exactly the type of team that gives USC fits, right? Utah is very much built in the Notre Dame model of really good line play, physical team, beat you down in the run game, um, not give up big plays, and kind of bring you into the mud kind of a team. And that's exactly the team that USC does not want to play. Um, And when we look at when we look at the future for USC and the future for Utah, right? I mean, Utah's got USC, Oregon next week, Washington, Arizona, Colorado. I mean, it's just a bloodbath in the Pac-12. I think the biggest question is how does USC get off the mat, right? Like how does USC, which still has everything in front of them, you don't have a loss in the Pac-12 yet. If you are a 12-1 and conference champion, you're going to make the playoff. But at some point, you've got to start playing like the team that people thought you could be, right? I picked this team to win the national championship. I thought they had the best quarterback. I thought they improved the defense. I thought they have a ton of great skill talent, despite losing Jordan Addison. Um, and certainly, like, they're putting up points, right? They've scored at least 40 points. They, they, up until last week, they had scored at least 42 points in every game. Caleb Williams threw three interceptions last season. He threw three in the first half against Notre Dame made some really bad, inexplicable throws against Notre Dame and and really hurt his team. So interested to see how USC gets off the mat here and, and interested to see if Utah can still piece this together, right? You, you saw a lot of the memes after the Oregon-Washington game because everyone obviously wants to see that one again in Vegas in the Pac-12 championship game. But, you know, here's Utah. You know, here, here, he, you know, here are the Utes. At two and one in the league, you get USC this week. You're home against Oregon next week. You're at Washington on November 11th. The Utes still have a chance to play spoiler, and we'll see if Cam Rising can, can come back. I think at this point he's about nine months post ACL tear, uh, toward in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. We'll be interesting to see if uh, if Utah can hang. You know, I, I think this is a game that could potentially get away from them. But let's face it, like Utah has had a lot of success against USC. They beat them twice last year. They had a, a really fun game in Salt Lake City in the regular season. And then Utah thumped them in the postseason or in, in the Pac-12 championship game. And I just think that Utah is the exactly the team that USC doesn't want to play. I think USC would much rather play Oregon. They'd much rather play Washington. Again, they know is going to be 45 to 40. They do not want to play teams like Utah or Notre Dame, who are going to beat them up physically, who are going to run on them, and who are going to, you know, almost like a boa constrictor, right? I've used that analogy before. Just constrict what they do. So fun one in, in the Pac-12. We look at the Pac-12 standings. USC is 4-0 in the league. Uh, Washington's 3-0. Oregon and Oregon State with one loss, with Utah having one loss as well. So certainly a big one in the Pac-12. And then I'll touch on one more. I'll touch on uh, touch on one more game here. Clemson at Miami, eight o'clock Eastern on the ACC Network. It's weird to see this game with two unranked teams 
on the ACC network. I mean, it's wild to see Duke and Florida State on ABC, and Clemson and Miami are on the ACC network. Uh, Miami started 4-0, a lot of momentum, a lot of hype. They beat Texas A&M. And then you have the debacle against Georgia Tech that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And they go to Miami, and they just they don't look they don't look well coached. They don't look physical. Uh, they give up forty one to Drake May in my in, in North Carolina. They can't cover Tez Walker. Clemson comes to town, um, a shell of itself as well. And I'm just interested more so to see, you know, do the wheels start falling off the Mario Cristobal train a little bit? Dabo Sweeney, same thing. Dabo Sweeney's already talking about, you know, fans have too high of expectations and it's not all about winning every game and having some weird comments this week. So, you know, this is another one. You know, could either of these teams kind of work their way back into the ACC race? Most likely not. I mean, if you look at the ACC, you've got three undefeated teams. You've got Louisville at 3-1. and one. Clemson's 2-2, two and two, and Miami's 0-2, right? Miami hasn't won a conference game yet. You know, and if you look at Clemson, they were off last week. You know, their two ACC wins have come against Syracuse and Wake Forest, who are combined 0-6 in the league. You know? Um, so I think this is just more about, you know, both teams are 4-2. and two. I think it's just more of a, what do each of these teams come with? You know, who's more invested in the season? Is it Clemson? Is it Miami? You know, Clemson won the ACC last year, went to the Orange Bowl. It's been a handful of years since they made the playoff. That is out the door as well. And in Miami, certainly in year two under Mario Cristobal, you know, looks like they'll be a bowl team. But is it a nine or ten win team? Or is it a, you know, seven or eight win team? And I think that, you know, starting with Clemson, that kind of could dictate it. The Clemson schedule, by the way, is brutal, right? These last six games, my, they'll go at Miami, at NC State, host Notre Dame, host Georgia Tech, host North Carolina, and at South Carolina to end the season. So you still got to play at Miami, Notre Dame, North Carolina, at South Carolina. Um, so kind of intrigued by this. Listen, it's two, it's two big names. It's a helmet game. Um, and interested to see, I mean, if Miami loses again, that's the third straight loss. They'd be 0-3 in the ACC um, I don't think a lot of the big money boosters down there would be too pleased. All right, that's our Week 8 uh, preview. It's a really fun week. I mean, really fun week. There's big games. The great thing about this week is you got a big game at noon, Penn State, Ohio State. you got a couple big games on at 3.30, Tennessee, Alabama, um, Washington State, Oregon, we didn't mention as well. The Ducks looking to get off the, off the deck after a, a really tough loss against Washington. You've got a couple really good ones in the primetime slate. Utah, USC, Clemson, Miami, Duke, Florida State, Michigan, Michigan State, Auburn, um, Ole Miss. A couple good late-night ones as well. So a fun week eight. Um, Happy to preview it for you. Let's give you our picks here. Lucas texted me his picks. Um, We actually had a four-and-two week on the pod. Each of us went two-and-one. I I hit the over 67.5 in Oregon, Washington, and Duke minus three-and-a-half against NC State. I lost on USC plus two-and-a-half at Notre Dame. Lucas won on Tennessee minus three against Texas A&M. Iowa State plus three and a half at Cincy. Cyclones went outright. His loss was Kansas minus three and a half at Oklahoma State. Cowboys upset the Jayhawks uh, at home. Uh, for the season, I am nine and 13. Lucas is seven and 15. I'll go through Lucas's picks here real quick because I like all of them. I mean, really would have almost taken probably all of them. Uh, he's like Tennessee plus eight and a half 
at Alabama for his pick of the week. Um, I like that as well. I think that's too too big of a spread. I think anything over a touchdown, I would probably be be taking Tennessee with the points. I don't know. I don't know if Alabama is capable of beating a good SEC team by more than a touchdown. Personally, uh, his ups his underdog of the week is Penn State plus four and a half at Ohio State. Already said, I I think this is a field goal game, um, and I think getting Penn State plus four, anything over four, I think is a really good spot for uh, for Penn State. His lock of the week is an under in a service academy game. We'd love to see it. Under 37.5 in Air Force and Navy. Uh, my lock of the week, I'm taking another under. I'm taking under 32.5 in Iowa, Minnesota. Um, I, unders in Iowa games are becoming a little bit of a bread and butter for me. Um, I picked the under 39.5 in Iowa, Purdue uh, two weeks ago. I, I bet the under in a parlay last week against Wisconsin. Iowa and Minnesota, it just screams, you know, 17-10, 13-9 kind of a game. So give me the under, 32.5 in Iowa, Minnesota. My upset pick is Northwestern plus 11.5 at Nebraska. That's my underdog of the week. Just don't know if Nebraska is good enough to be a double-digit favorite against any other team in the Big Ten West at, at home. And I think Northwestern has put together some good games. Um, they beat Minnesota at home. They put together a really good first half against Penn State. I think this is a better coach team or a, a better a team that's giving us better results than I had expected. Uh, I'll say that. And I don't know if Nebraska is good enough to be 11.5 points better than Minnesota. And my pick of the week, I'm going to take Utah plus 6.5 at USC. Um, I think just think it's a, been a bad matchup historically for the Trojans. I think Utah knows how to play with USC. I think Utah plays a style that USC doesn't like to play against. And I don't, qu- I don't quite know what the mindset of USC is going to be coming off a really tough loss against Notre Dame. So again, for me, I've got Utah plus 6.5 at USC, Northwestern plus 11.5 at Nebraska, the under 32.5 in Iowa, Minnesota. Lucas has the under 37.5 in Navy Air Force, Penn State plus 4.5 at Ohio State, and Tennessee plus 8.5 at Alabama. All right, that's going to do it for us, uh, for me, I should say. Uh, Lucas and I will be back together next week. We just had some some scheduling conflicts um, earlier in the week, but wanted to make sure we got some pods out to to um, to you guys uh, this week. It's it's a fun one in college football. So happy to talk about it with you. Again, you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Running for the roses and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Running for the Roses CFB. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Rubber.